0: Welcome to the PharmaSource podcast. Today's episode is the first of 2024 and the start of a new season where we speak to the innovators and decision makers pushing biopharma forwards. I'm Luke Bilton, and in today's episode, I speak to Marcus Gasheta, chief science officer and co-founder at Synface. We talk about the Synface digital experiment platform, powerful software that helps to speed up R and D experimentation by helping unpick biological complexity. And we discussed their recent State of the Industry report, which is all about lab automation in life science R&D, a report that really highlights the challenges scientists face in managing experiments.
1: The fundamental problem we're trying to solve is to how to experiment with something as complex as biology. Mm. Right? There is no other field that has quite this level of complexity to deal with. Um, you know, like biology is the most complex system in the known universe and we have to try and work out how we can then unpick that complexity unweave it so that we can actually understand what's going on and make much better therapeutics or you know biological Mm. solutions as a result um so that's the fundamental mission the very high level mission um and we started out actually as a biology company right so we have labs in london um and um it, that's kind of a testament to our background and essentially what we were trying to do is to engineer biological systems to produce products um and we were using sophisticated experimentation so very high dimensional experimentation to do that which is dramatically more powerful than conventional experiments but it's also very very difficult to carry out those experiments mm. and we started building our own software to help us um, plan run and analyze those high dimensional um very sophisticated experiments and long story short, that's what's become our main um, opportunity now, is we we turned that into a product and we're now um, essentially a, a software company that is offering that capability to the market.
0: For someone like me, yep. how would you explain high-dimensional?
1: So the way we were all taught science at school is that you have to hold everything in a system constant except mm. for the one thing that you're trying to investigate, because otherwise, you can't tell um, which things are having an effect on your system. If you're changing too many things at once, And how do you know which one of them has been responsible for the change that you observe? And this is kind of the introduction we have to like a rigorous scientific method. Um, and then our education in, in experimental design doesn't go any further than that, mm-hmm. right? So we do one factor at a time. The issue with that is that you can't then see if the like best level for one factor depends on the level of another. So, if like my best um pH depends on what temperature the system's at, then you'll never see those interactions between factors because you're only ever measuring them one at a time. Hmm. So, essentially, what multifactorial experimentation is, is just a very systematic way of looking at lots of different things simultaneously, but in such a way that you can still deconvolute which ones are having the effects that you're seeing. Um, hmm. So, it's, it's uh, essentially um, yeah, like a, a rigorous uh, mathematical framework that you can use um, for, for doing that. And what we found, because biology is an emergent system, it's inherently massively interconnected. Mm-hmm. It's often those interconnections which lie at the heart of trying to understand a particular biological system. And you just can't see those interconnections if you're doing things one factor at a time because you can't see the connection between two different factors or or more. Um Mm. So multifactorial essentially just allows you to unpick those uh, interconnections which are fundamental to the nature of biology. Um, so it's a much more powerful way of of learning about biological systems and optimizing those biological systems.
0: And so your platform helps with that process as it helps to unpick it all?
1: It definitely does. So it helps to run the complexity of experiment that you need to do to unpick all of that. But I mean, it's essentially so we call it a digital experiment platform. Mm. So this is essentially where instead of the scientist having to think of all of the details um you know uh, plan out exactly what they're going to have to do in the lab work out how to do it maybe if they want to use automation they have to program the automation um, they have to organize all their samples um uh, they and then when they finally get data they have to wrangle it all together it's usually copy pasting in Excel frankly mm-hmm. um, until they get to a point where they can then analyze it well actually you know the digital world can do a huge amount to help, essentially just automate that planning execution and analysis process so that's what our digital experiment platform does and because it's lifting that heavy weight of all of that planning and 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 complexity it means that the level of sophistication the level of power of experiment that's now possible is lifted dramatically because it means that you're relying on digital tools and automation to do a lot of what the scientist was having to do themselves either in their head or with with their handheld pipette
0: Where have you seen there being some some interesting applications or examples you could share perhaps of where this has really accelerated early stage drug discovery?
1: We've seen some really exciting results. And frankly, it's a testament to what happens when you give a powerful tool to some very innovative and hardworking scientists. Mm. Uh, So um, AstraZeneca have actually presented with us at uh, SLAS. So that's uh, the Society for Lab Automation and Screening. Um, They have two conferences annually, and uh, they presented with us there about what they were doing. And essentially, it means that what they can do is they can do experiments which get them to the optimal conditions for a particular process. I mean, they were focused on assay development. So this is the process that they use for screening through millions of different compounds to try and find the one that might be a therapeutic. They use an assay Mm -hmm. for that. And they have to develop that assay first, and that can often take, you know, nine months to to do or uh, there or thereabouts. Um, and they found that they could do this dramatically quicker by just basically testing lots of the different parameters simultaneously instead of doing them one at a time. That's essentially the um, the heart of it.
0: So going down from what would have taken nine months to how long would you say?
1: So, I mean, we've seen across our customers that it can be sort of a 30 to 70% time saving um, on on developing a new assay. And that got us really excited because this is a process that's on the critical path for drug discovery. So the fact that we can compress it dramatically, and there's also great evidence that you actually end up with a higher quality assay at the other end as well, because you have so comprehensively like investigated that whole space in these very powerful experiments. Hmm. So to give you an example, one of the experiments was uh, had 1536 different unique conditions tested in a single run. And because of the kind of technologies they're using in early discovery, this is in a um, 1536 well plate. So each one of those tests is, you know, around four microliters. So, you know, you're actually looking at um, a total volume of an experiment of whatever that is about six mils um right so you know like that that's less than the sort of dregs left in your coffee cup kind of thing mm-hmm. to completely map out a really complex scientific process um so yeah it's just it's super exciting um to see what our customers are doing with this kind of power um that we're giving them and it's it, it feels like an entirely new way of um navigating biological um processes
0: yeah in an industry that is so focused on racing to release innovative drugs time is money so uh, yeah saving 70 percent or so is is huge in terms of the time yeah i
1: mean obviously that's fantastic when we see that level of of savings and um it's particularly powerful wherever there's the most complexity so um you know if you've got a fairly simple assay to develop or media to develop develop, or whatever then actually there's there's relatively little you can squeeze out of that right but uh, um, the discovery world is going for ever more um, complex problems you know they're going for ev- ever more difficult targets um, and ever more um, complex modalities and so we're really excited about the way that this kind of um, experiment platform can try to transform the way that kind of yeah. uh, research is being done
0: very interesting. On to the report then. It seemed to me that there's a healthy dose of realism, I think, coming through in the report. So those 250 scientists that you went to as part of this survey. I really liked the quote, actually, at the start of the report, where you said, even with the best of talents and intentions, it's a complex, messy and fraught with risk. Why is that? And what are the challenges which are coming through from the report, would you say?
1: I think it all reflects the complexity of the systems we're trying to work on Mm. and, and hence like the complexity of um, just the R and D process that's arisen as a result. So if you think about, you know, what it takes to actually do any given program of scientific work, then there's a whole ecosystem of, you know, different tools. There's a whole myriad of different um, tasks that you have to do in any given experiment. So inherently, it is super messy. Um, and, you know, the way that we have to do this experimentation is essentially it's all it's all relying on the scientist. It's all relying on the scientist to understand how to interact with all these different bits mm. of software and hardware. It's reliant on the scientist to work out, OK, what might be my best, best experiment to design? And how am I going to lay this out on a plate? How am I going to um, you know perform all of these actions in the time that I have available in order to try and make it work? and so they they carry huge weight on their shoulders um and then inevitably that and that that means that they're limited in what they're able to carry out so yeah there's 87% of the scientists in our survey said that the main challenge with running experiments is keeping track of all of the different elements involved mm. um, and so it means with the best will in the world you know these scientists have to be you know really intelligent incredibly organized really stoic frankly Very physically coordinated because they have to, you know, get stuff uh, done in the lab. Um, And um, then, you know, incredibly analytical with how they then go through all of their different analyses. Mm. Um, And so, you know, it's a pretty rare breed um, who actually manage to then make progress with the biosciences. And then you're still faced with the complexity of biology um which can you know take even the very best scientists and you know humble them essentially you know 90% of the time you know your your great idea that you've gone into the lab with is likely to be wrong mm. uh, you know and and so that that's it, it just adds up to a very messy uh, problem where even if you're exceptionally good in the lab you know it's going to be difficult progress um, yep. I mean, frankly, personally, I was never very good in the lab. And um, that's mostly because, you know, I had some, but not all of those qualities. You know, I didn't have the attention to detail um, that uh, is required to really get to that kind of level of uh, meticulous research. Mm. I had to force myself into it.
0: And resilience as well, if your theory doesn't work out.
1: Yeah. Or, or, you know, that time when you're working in a, you know, 384 well plate and then your colleague comes up and says, oh, um, did you remember to order in? x y or z and you're like uh, oh yeah, yeah yeah no it's it, it's just in the store cupboard on this shelf and then you go back to your 384 well plate and you've got to try and remember where you got to with pipetting minute amounts of clear colorless liquid and you know like it, it the number of times that you just end up you know sighing and um, throwing it in the bin and starting over mm. is is a little bit too um a little bit too often and so these are the realities of of doing science on a day-to-day basis and then so when you see the um you know people have um difficulty either understanding or completely trusting the data to make uh, decisions so we had what 43 percent of decision makers um saying that they um didn't have complete confidence in the experimental data in order to make critical go no go decisions Mm -hmm. it's not really all that surprising because it is a hugely tough um endeavor um that we're undertaking
0: yeah. One of the other stats that jumps out from the report is 90% of decision makers are saying that it's the hardware, the software, the integration between them, which is a which is a, a barrier.
1: Why do you think that is? So that was specifically a barrier to digital transformation. So I think yep. we all have this uh, dream, or a lot of us have this dream in the space that given the complexity of what we're trying to address, that we should be able to get so much help from digital tools, automation, AI, mm-hmm. you know, like the I think, well, I'm convinced that AI is the future of biology that uh, and specifically like a um, an augmentation of human intelligence with artificial intelligence. So it's working as, as closely as possible together to, to navigate biological complexity. But we're only going to get there if we have effective digital transformation of the processes that we're doing mm. um, now. So that's the aspiration. Now, the reason that you know hardware software integration is so difficult is simply that there are just so many different aspects to running an experiment. So many different bits of hardware that you might want to do any given experiment, and there's a huge ecosystem of providers which make all sorts of incredibly capable hardware and software. Um, but then that's all really fragmented, um, and it had, over decades people have been focused on making ever better instrumentation for doing more and more powerful analyses, for example, but they haven't necessarily been focused on, okay, how can we make sure that the data that comes from these is all harmonized in such a way that can be brought together in a really coherent and automated way. Mm. And similarly on the software side, um, there's so many different aspects of running an experiment from, um, you know, it, planning and, you um, and uh, you know resource management sample management um, going through to uh, working out exactly how you're going to do the experiment um, the software that then interacts with the hardware um, and then um, doing all of the uh, reporting and analysis you know like each one of these has different software which is best at doing that you know there's no kind of one software which combines all of it and so it then becomes an integration problem there as well and again there are no standards there's nothing there which says, OK, this is the way that the whole industry is going to work together. Um, and, you know, there are standards efforts going on, but they are, you know, very difficult to make stick. And, uh, you know, like they're making slow but steady progress. But in the meantime, we've got this huge integration problem of how we can get all of these things working together in a coherent ecosystem.
0: Where have you seen teams, customers you work with or those that you've seen in the industry who are actually getting to grips with this and and are making practical improvements to how they manage their data starting to apply machine learning
1: it is becoming more and more prevalent Mm. what we see works very well is when people are focused on a very specific application area where they've worked out that they'll be able to get clear scientific benefits from these kind of things and then they um, you know start in a relatively constrained way and then build out from there I think what can often be very difficult and a lot of the industries learn this is to go for sort of wholesale grand digital transformation projects mm-hmm. um, where, you know, like they, they have all of the very best intentions, but if they are going to take, you know, three to five years to implement, then often the realities of, you know, um, the dynamics within certainly larger companies means that, you know, these initiatives tend to uh, lose, you um, the the patients and backing well before they they would actually you know um produce and so yeah it's these is these uh, smaller much more focused ones um that, that work um well in the um in the first instance and then in terms of specific examples i think there are some really notable examples in kind of um smaller biotechs which have grown up with these kind of philosophies from the outset so i'm thinking about companies like recursion and in citro Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what they're doing is they're building out these digital and automated systems from the outset with AI as the intent. Yeah. And so like they built it kind of from the bottom up. So they don't they don't have that same kind of um, big transformation and change management that might be needed in a um, in a more established company. Um, and so, you know, they get these fantastically curated rich data sets which then act as the foundation for then uh, artificial intelligence and, and cutting through that biological complexity in a much more effective way.
0: A moment ago, Mark, you, you started talking about a grand vision for what this could mean to humanity. How do you see the role of synthase within that? I mean, if you could project a few years into the future, how would you like to see the product developing?
1: Yeah, what we see is a lot of digital tools that are there to help people to analyse their results. And, mm. you know, a lot of ai is being used in exactly this way or to make better predictions but what we don't see is um digital tools for actually helping to drive experiments you know with our digital experiment platform we're looking to make a, a basically like an experimental engine if you like so in the same way as um you you know there's a plethora of different tools that you might use for analysis then there should be um you know experiment platforms allowing you to do experiments in a much a more powerful way. Um, and then it's, it's that engine um, which will then drive the creation of all the, you know, very sophisticated and powerful data, which acts as the foundation for all of the um, artificial intelligence ambitions that we have as a field mm-hmm. um, going forward. Um, so, you know, we've got customers now saying they'd like Synthase to be the system upon which all of their experiments are run. Mm-hmm. Um And that then means that they can do more powerful experiments, but it also means that all of those um, experiments are fully digitized. So you have a complete record of absolutely everything that went on in that experiment. So every data point has the full context of exactly how each one of those data points was produced. Um, And that means that you end up with dramatically more useful and robust data sets going down the line because everything's digitized by default, Mm -hmm. as opposed to, The way that things work at the moment is often that um, scientists, again, on top of everything else, they're given the burden of recording everything they've done in meticulous detail in some digital repository, um, which, frankly, is a bit of a a conflict of um, incentives because, you know, the company's asking them to get on with their science as rapidly as they possibly can. Like you said earlier, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a massive race to try and um, get uh, therapeutics into the clinic as, as fast as possible. But then, at the same time, they're saying, "Oh, but while you're doing that, can you also record everything in a huge uh, uh, detail in these digital repositories, so that we might be able to use this uh, data in some, you know, undefined uh, future with some AI algorithm that we're mm. yet to think?" Of? Um, and so you can imagine what the scientists focus on. They focus on getting things done super quickly, um, as as best as they possibly can, and they won't, you know, sit a lot, uh, spend a lot of time doing all of that digital record keeping. Mm. So I think. You know, those kind of digitization initiatives that rely on the scientists to record everything are doomed to fail, um, because there's always going to be a much more pressing um, imperative, and that is get that drug through the pipe as quickly as possible.
0: And once you've got all the data in there, does that open up the opportunity for conversational LLMs or different ways to interact with that data set?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think actually LLMs offer all sorts of opportunities in terms of that interface between the scientist and technology or the scientist and particular data sets. Um, and we did a proof of concept where we, um, in our R&D function, we looked at having an LLM on the front end of synthase. Oh, and so you can essentially uh, then just ask, tell me a good media for growing T cells is the example we okay. And then, you know, obviously, because these LLMs are kind of spookily um, good, they come back with a very good media for um, growing T cells. And then you can say, okay, design me an experiment to optimize these different components, uh, the concentration of these different components of the T cell, and it will immediately come back. But it'll also come back with questions of the bits of information that you haven't given it yet. So like, um, so fill in all the gaps. And then when it's got the gaps filled in, it can automatically then generate a synthase workflow, which can then go and be done in the lab. So it means that you you have a hugely intuitive interface to what is a very powerful technology. And then similarly, you could see exactly the same thing happening with, you know, interrogating complex data sets and really trying to understand what's going on there. The critical thing is, though, is that as we know, LLMs, they they don't have any particular rigor. Right, they're incredibly in quotes creative and in quotes knowledgeable, um, right? But they will also do stuff that's completely illogical. Like, you know, if you see an LLM playing chess, it will take its own pieces because okay. um, <laughs> it doesn't have that logical framework. All it's doing is it's predicting what word should come next each time. That's 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 how these models work. Because mm. Synthase understands what works in the lab and what doesn't. It's got all the models and the heuristics for working out what how lab processes work. Mm. Without that, then an LLM is likely to do the sort of lab equivalent of pouring a pint into a shot glass. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's it's not going to come up with logical things that make sense. It has to have that rigor and that check against it. And I think that's what we're going to see emerging is we're going to s- sort of see these, um, these knowledgeable systems, if you like, these rigorous systems paired with the kind of, yeah, as I say, in quotes, creativity and knowledge of LLMs. And that's where it's going to get really powerful.
0: Fascinating, isn't it? Marcus, how about yourself personally? I mean, do you find this work rewarding? I mean, how how do you feel about the impact you're making?
1: I couldn't imagine a more important thing to be working on. I feel immensely privileged to be in the position I am with the opportunity to try and make these kind of changes in the world. Um, You know, to talk a little bit grandly for a second, I think that biology is the technology which has the most potential for transforming the things that matter to us the most, Mm. you know, whether that's healthcare or food or production of materials and chemicals, it has a huge amount of potential to help us with these massive global problems. But at the same time, it's exceptionally difficult, as we've already gone through in length, Mm. to actually understand biological systems well enough and work with those biological systems to effectively solve these problems in any kind of decent timeline. Building these new powerful platforms for enabling biologists to achieve their aspirations that much more effectively is really exciting. And, you know, it's a very, very tough thing to do to boil down all of this complexity into, you know, a tool that essentially allows you to uh, run these experiments dramatically easier it's not been an easy path at all, but it's immensely worthwhile. And yeah, when I look at what we've achieved, and when I look at the kind of science that scientists are doing with our tool, you know, it never gets old.
0: Marcus, thank you so much for your time. Pleasure speaking to you.
1: Likewise. Thanks very much for having me on.
0: I hope you enjoyed the episode. For more insights and best practices, head to pharmasource.global and sign up.